Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Not to see what the future of the league looks like against... The current face of the NBA, Amber and Ian, is presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with our easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Ian is out tonight. He's gearing up for the national championship. He will be on the call for that game between Washington and Michigan. Coverage will begin right here on ESPN Radio on Monday night for that one at 6.30 p.m. Eastern from Houston. But tonight, I get Andre Snellings. And Andre Snellings is one of our senior NBA writers here at ESPN. So, with him in the saddle, I get to talk a lot of NBA, which I love. And boy, did we get one. Did we get Mm -hmm. one between Wemby and Giannis? The first two meetings, or the first meeting between these two, uh, I guess, budding superstar and bonafide superstar. Milwaukee got the best of this in terms of the win-loss column. 125 to 121. Who cares? What we care about (laughs) is what these guys were doing individually. Antetokounmpo finished. 44 points, 14 boards, 7 assists in 39 minutes. Wemby, 27 points, 9 boards, 5 blocks in 26 minutes, Andre. Yes, that game was so fun to watch. Like, just just coming into it, I was hoping, because Wemby has some games this year where he shows signs of what he'll eventually be. But then he has some other games where he's just good. He's not Mm -hmm. quite transcendent. And I knew that it was his 20th birthday, and they reported that he was going to be on a 24-minute limit. And so I I wasn't sure what to expect. Those two came out. (laughs) It's like Giannis was being Giannis. But when Giannis was guarding Wimby and that joker turned and threw it off the backboard and went and got it and dunked two hands, Mm -hmm. I was like, it's about to go down. And and from then on, it was kind of like a one-on-one contest between the two of them in the best way possible. They were both showing why they're freaks or unicorns or whatever adjective you want to use, doing things that nobody else could do. And again, Wimby, at the end of the game, when Giannis bodied his way to the rim and went up, that's normally a dunk on 100% of the rest of the NBA. And Wimby swatted that. I wanted. I stood up and cheered in my house by myself. I loved that game. <laughs> a, a quiet uh, twenty-five from Dame, right on mm-hmm. ten boards and and zero turnovers. Like everybody else in that game was invisible because all anybody cared about was that Giannis Wemby matchup, and it it was obvious that both of those guys showed up a little bit extra for that thing, oh, right? Yeah. There was the extra motivation there. Yeah. Giannis said after the game that Wemby is special, calling him special. It didn't feel like a changing of the guard because Giannis is still Giannis and that mm-hmm. it's still that dude's league for now. But you could see Wemby Yanima is coming for him. And that's what was so special about seeing those two guys physically go up against each other. Like yes. we've seen, you know, Wemby, you know, and, and listen, the Spurs are, are, the Spurs are terrible. The question moving forward is going to be, how do you build around him? Right. Mm-hmm. But actually getting to see those two guys physically against one another 
one-on-one, taking on each other at the same position, defending each other. That's what's fun about it. it yeah. Pitting when we against, you know, LeBron or, or some of these other guys in the league that are faces of the league, it's a different conversation than it is with Giannis because you feel like Wemby is new age Giannis. Yes. And or see, going to be. Not not quite there yet. I won't do that to Giannis yet. But. Yeah, no, he's he's far up the curve, though. And, and so I felt like I learned more about Wemby than Giannis yesterday. And I, I, I tweeted this during the game. Um, way back in 2014, I went to the, the Las Vegas Summer League. I go every year. And I went to watch the Bucks play the Jazz. And the Bucks had the number two pick that year, Jabari Parker. The Jazz had the number five pick, Dante Exum. So I was going to watch them. Instead, there was this long joker for the Bucks that was dunking on everybody. And the Jazz had this super tall French center that was blocking every shot that wasn't a dunk. And then at some point, the two of them started going back and forth with each other, like guarding each other, dunking on each other. And, of course, it was Giannis and Rudy Gobert. And I came out of that meeting, I mean, that game, and I said, both of these guys are going to be stars because of the way they took the challenge and said, you know, I've got this dog in me. You are not fin to do that to me and, and, and vice versa. And so I knew Giannis had that. We've seen it for the last decade. Wimby showed me last night that he has that too. And he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not scared of you. I'm not backing down from you. And I think that bodes so well for what he's going to develop into. You know, more than the 7'5", more than the skills, having that type of spirit and mindset and mentality is the mindset of a star in the NBA. You saw he wasn't scared. He oh, wasn't yeah. scared in that moment. And there's been some questions about that, right? I mean, even the moments, like the moments that we've, what was it, his, his season debut was a mm. little lackluster. This first game in the summer league, but then the second game, am I remembering that? Yeah correctly off the top of my head and so the first game was a little lackluster whatever so there's been that you know in the biggest moments is he going to be able to step up to the play it's hard to judge again I mentioned that Spurs team leaves a whole lot to be desired he doesn't have a ton of help around him and he's still developing and there are games where Wemby like he's good I mean he's eight feet tall so of course he's gonna be good (laughs) but he doesn't look you know like he's going to be LeBron or MJ the predecessor to that uh, elite talent and yet in this moment against Giannis, he wasn't scared. He wasn't yeah. intimidated by one of those dudes that, you know, may, maybe one day does get thrust into that conversation. Yeah, and I would point out that I'm not sure if I agree with that last thing you said because he looks like LeBron or, you know, way better than Giannis as a rookie. You know, like he doesn't look like them now. He has to, to, to develop some. But one thing I noticed, so a few years back before Giannis started winning MVPs, I wrote an article pointing out that LeBron, I mean, Giannis's development through his first five or six seasons was almost spot on with LeBron's development through his first five or six seasons. And, and they were drafted exactly 10 years apart, 2003, 2013. And so I made the, in the article, I said, so based on this trajectory, Giannis should win the next two MVPs and then win a championship. And Dang it if that's not what happened. And so now I fast forward here. Wimby was drafted exactly 10 years later, 2003, 2013, 2023. So it's feeling like maybe the NBA is on a once a decade for these, you know, uh, unicorn once a generation talents. Maybe a, a generation is exactly 10 years because what Wimby is, is showing even on a day to day basis right now to me suggests that uh, if he stays healthy, uh, uh, like my man Harry Douglas would say, that, that boy bad. 
Yeah, that boy bad. Uh, I think we have all seen the snippets of that. Of course, can he stay healthy? What is this going to look like? I heard a lot of the same things about Zion, and we'll see. We'll see where this thing ends up going. I do want to give you a few minutes here, though, because I want to bring up, and and I mentioned there, Andre Snelling's filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight, one of our NBA writers. You can always check out his work on the .com. You have an article that dropped today on why landing. It's between the Knicks. It's a betting article, but it's between the Knicks here and the Raptors, a recent trade and it's a bunch of dudes in that trade that mm-hmm. don't necessarily have the huge names and right. yet you make the argument in this article about how important a trade is in terms of fit yes yes so um you know the knicks traded rj barrett and emmanuel quickly as the main players they were the third and fourth leading scorers on the team and the main player they got back from Toronto is OG Ananobi. They also got a name, guy named Precious Achua, who's a big man, and they needed that because their starting center is hurt. But Ananobi is is the the big fit player in this deal because he's a, a, a 3 and D wing in the best sense of the word right now. And for the Knicks, they have Julius Randle and, and uh, Brunson as their two best players. They're both guys that need the ball in their hands to create off the dribble. So you want to surround them on offense with guys that don't need the ball in their hands, that can just finish if they're you know set up uh, with a good look. And that wasn't the strength of either Barrett or Quickly. Both of those were guys that like to ha- handle the ball themselves. Whereas OG, more than half of his shots are three-pointers, and more than 95% of the three-pointers he makes are assisted. So that's what he does. He goes and spots up at the three-point line, knocks down the three at a high efficiency, and that's perfect for the Knicks' offense. He's able to give them similar scoring numbers as what they were getting from those other guys, but he does it in a way that actually makes Brunson and Randall better. And more importantly, um, OG is one of the best defensive uh, wings or one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and that was something that the Knicks really lacked. So... I felt like that was a trade of, as you pointed out, a player that really doesn't get a lot of attention uh, outside of of basketball nerds that kind of changes the trajectory of the Knicks. I'm not going to say it makes them championship favorites, but I think to me, if they stay healthy, they're clearly one of the top four teams in the East and uh, have a good chance at, at home court advantage. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Little Dolly Parton in your life. Little classic Dolly. Not all of us work nine to five, Dolly. (laughs) Some of us 
are on air 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Amber and Ian. Andre Snelling's filling in for Ian tonight. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive. We've got a double header of NFL action headed your way right here on ESPN Radio. So tomorrow on ESPN and ABC, you can watch Steelers at Ravens at 4.30 p.m. and Texans at Colts at 8.15 p.m. And then on Sunday on ESPN Radio, you can tune in here. Coverage starts at noon Eastern. You can hear Jets at Patriots and Bears at Packers. And then if you wanted to, you could just keep your radio on all Sunday evening, wake up Monday morning, keep it on until 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That's when the coverage of the national championship will start right here on ESPN Radio. Washington, Michigan, Ian Fitzsimmons is on the call for that game. That's why he's not here tonight. But Andre Snellings is, if you miss anything, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. And we were just having a conversation about the fit of pieces in the NBA. Dre dropped an article on the .com today about a trade between the Knicks and the Raptors and how that trade actually made the Knicks maybe a whole lot better. And it's because of the fit that they got, not necessarily the big pieces or the splashy pieces. And it made us think, it made James Steele, our producer, think about the same sort of thing here happening in the NFL to some extent on the coaching realm. Because if you take the Las Vegas Raiders, for example, Dre, yes, they've got a big decision to make. Because right now they've got an interim head coach, and Antonio Pierce, who by all accounts is beloved inside that locker room and has turned the season around for Vegas. The biggest names on that team, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, the biggest names on both sides of that ball have been very outspoken about their affection for their interim head coach and that if the decision was up to them, that they would certainly vote to keep Antonio Pierce in place. So the voices are allowed on that team to do so, but we don't know if Mark Davis is going to do that because we've also seen in the past Davis move on from coaches that are doing well in an interim role and go for you know bigger names or splashier names which isn't necessarily the best fit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything that you said is the setup. It feels like we've heard this record before, right? That, that was exactly the situation with the Raiders after Gruden left. They had uh, Rich Basaccia come in as the beloved coach that, that turned the season around. The players played for him. They got into the playoffs came about an inch from beating my Bengals, uh, quiet as kept, in, in the year the Bengals were going to the Super Bowl. And then in the offseason, they got rid of him and brought in Josh McDaniels. And so we're talking about the question of fit. The, you, you could look at that as, okay, is it that they are replacing a guy that fits well with a bigger splash that maybe might be a good coach but just not the best coach for this team? I don't know if that's the case with McDaniels. He hasn't had a lot of success as a head coach at any stop. But, you know, the elephant in the room, um, the, the coach of uh, – uh, go blue Michigan Wolverines, you know, Harbaugh, if he were a possibility for the Raiders, would it still, would, would I still think that they should keep Pierce? And I do, because I think he's a perfect fit and the guys there love him and he's, he's moving things in the right direction. I think he's earned the right to try to bring in a quarterback and some talent and implement his own system instead of just being the interim guy. I think that it's smart in this situation to truly consider fit. Now, I also understand a hesitation by an owner. If you're in a situation with an interim head coach, and yes, 
you get the bump, you fire the guy in season, you get the bump. I mean, even statistically, when a coach gets fired, the team goes out, they win the next week statistically. There seems to be something to that, whatever it is mentally to the guys on the field. And so even if you get that bump there, it's normally such a small sample size. So then you're supposed to go ahead and hand a guy, you know, some huge long contract based on three or four games in terms of the body or work, right? And when things have gone terribly and that dude has normally been on the staff, the entire time things have gone pretty terribly as well, but in a different role. And so I can understand as an owner the hesitation with doing that. I think with Antonio Pierce, maybe it's a bit of a different situation, just sort of also how he's being received inside that organization. Nothing that Davis has done here has worked out in terms of coaching hires as an owner. He's a swing and a miss and a swing and a miss and a swing and a miss and then some and then some and then some more since he took over that team after the passing of his father. If you're here and you've got the guy and he's beloved in the building and you are seeing success and you are seeing results on the field and you're seeing him find a way to relate to these players in maybe a way that Josh McDaniels was notoriously reportedly, allegedly unable to do right. And even John Gruden was notoriously reportedly, allegedly unable to do right. And you don't hear any of that noise about Pierce and you were hearing it about both of his predecessors over and over again. Yeah. And you know, to your point that fired coach gets the bounce that is normally a local phenomenon. That's something that happens, you know, as you pointed out, maybe two or three or four games. But Pierce has been in this seat for half of the season now, right? And they did, in that first game, they they, they did come out and, and really, you know, lay the smack down on the Giants. But they've been consistent, even though they've been a team that's, say, four and four under Pierce. When they lose, it's to playoff teams, and it's close. You know, a close game at the Dolphins. You know, like um, they, they just lost a close game at the Colts. But meanwhile, they've beaten the Chiefs. They mollywopped the Chargers. You know, like they, 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 they have maintained a, a relatively high level for multiple months now. It, it doesn't seem to just be a bounce uh, effect. And I think also when you see, you know, the, the NFL is a copycat league, right? When you see the success – of uh, someone like D'Amico Ryans, who was also a, a former uh, defensive NFL player, and he comes in and the players are able to re- rally around and relate to him, uh, to your point, in a way that's leading to success in Houston, I think that maybe helps um, uh, the, the, the case here, too, that, hey, this type of coach is able to connect with this generation of player. I think it's really important as we move forward, maybe with this particular generation of player and with the next particular generation of player that we see more representation from the dudes who actually played the game because we don't have much of that across NFL history. But I do wonder now if maybe that's more important than ever, finding a way to get through to these guys, relate to these guys in a world that getting the attention of these young people is probably pretty hard. You're competing with a whole lot of things to do that. And maybe it's a little bit less about X's and O's than it once was, or you leave that to your coordinators and more against uh, about actual relationships and just getting the most out of these guys. Also, because the athlete these days is so darn smart. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I question like how much of the actual coaching, you know, is what's important here or how much of it is sort of a motivation sort of thing outside of the coordinator position. And, 
maybe with Antonio Pierce, when you put these former players or you mentioned there, D'Amico Ryans, maybe when they're in that situation, these guys feel like they can relate to them. They're seeing themselves. Maybe because of that, they're more motivated, whatever the case may be. It's hard because the Raiders are, they're not in a postseason. You know, you're not going to find them competing for anything at this point. And Davis has to make this decision when they haven't actually had the success. And he's an owner that's been frustrated time and time again and, and an owner that's quick to pull the trigger. But you saw it in Carolina where it looks like they should have kept Steve Wilkes, right? Mm-hmm. And that didn't look like a good decision when the team completely fell off when she went to the interim head coach and. The record by Tepper there, not much better there than the yeah. record by Mark Davis, right? <laughs> These are owners that end up being desperate owners. Yeah. And they make <laughs> Sounds rash Sounds like a reality TV show. Right. <laughs> and desperate owners I often are attracted to the big name, the flashy name. So if you have an opportunity to get Harbaugh, mm-hmm. and he's the proven coach on, on both levels. On the national and- championship winning team. Right. <laughs> then is it safer for you? You feel like, okay, I go for that big name. But Antonio Pierce has a big name in his own right, even if it's not as head coach. Here's what I would do if I was Mark Davis. I would stick with Antonio Pierce, but also I would make it a short contract. Mm -hmm. I would do it. I I, I think that you're in a pretty good negotiating situation with Antonio Pierce if you're the Raiders. I don't know how many other head coaching opportunities he's getting right now. Yeah, there's that. Um, And also just the the, the fact that the next couple of seasons – he, if he puts a stamp on there, then you've got an excellent coach for on the cheap. Right. I mean, that's the thing. We, we, we do this thing. I don't quite get it in NFL circles where it's like every, everything has to be, you know, hundreds of millions in like a hundred years. And I, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, why do you have to do that? If nobody else is out there competing for your guy as head coach, then negotiate with him a lesser contract. Maybe you can make an incentive-based contract for the coach or whatever. You're putting yourself in a position where you have to renegotiate as well. And yes, it might cost you more on the back end, but maybe that's a risk you're willing to take if you're still a little unsure but want to move forward with the guy we're going to move forward here on amber and ian with andre snellings filling in next robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary ai to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting technology marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Halfway, Andre, until your Friday night gets crazy, because I'm sure Andre Snelling's Friday night is <laughs> one for the ages, right? At home with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you drive home. Get like me. ESPN Radio. Yeah, get like you. Uh, get like me, too. I will be finding myself probably in bed shortly after this program. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. That is the voice of Andre Snellings. He is filling in. For Ian tonight, let's bring in another voice to the show, Matt Miller. He is ESPN's NFL draft analyst. And Matt, we're going to have the national championship game 
right here on ESPN Radio on Monday night. Coverage beginning at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That's where Ian is tonight, getting ready for that in Houston. Michael Penix Jr. is obviously going to be a huge story in that game. How has he changed his draft stock so far in these college football playoffs? And does anything Monday night, do you think, uh, legitimately affect where he's going to end up going in April? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, I definitely think, I mean, you can make a short list of players who've improved the most this season, and Michael Penix would be on that list. Uh, When the season started, not just myself, but NFL scouts had a day three grade on him. And now we're talking about a player who could potentially be a first-round pick. And I say potentially because we do have, you know, three months left. And and as you guys know, a lot changes as we get to see players in person. Uh, Monday night can absolutely help. Uh, Beating the Texas Longhorns the way he did, that was his flawless as a performance, I think, as you can have in a Cachoba semifinal. That definitely helped as well. And I'll point back to last year, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State narrowly loses a game to the Georgia Bulldogs in the semifinals, and he completely changed the narrative about himself in that game. C.J. Stroud went from being a really good pocket passer during the season to against Georgia, he looks like the second coming of Randall Cunningham. He was running all over the field. He's making plays off platform. He's throwing down field. And it, it opened eyes to what he could be uh, at the next level. And I think that's what Penix did against Texas was you had a guy that's like, oh, he doesn't move well off the spot. He doesn't throw well when he's asked to, you know, kind of create in the pocket. That's all he did against Texas was create in the pocket and, and improvise and still show that ball placement and accuracy. So, yes, we want to see that against Michigan. The Wolverine secondary is much more talented than Texas' secondary. So it's, it's going to matter. But he has, he's put a resume game out there on tape already. Okay, well, outside of Penix, who else would you say in these playoffs has improved their draft stock uh, the most? I mean, did you got Roma Dunfake? My goodness, he was everywhere, <laughs> catching everything. The wide receiver for Washington. It was great to see Jalen McMillan uh, back finally healthy. Uh, the impact that he made, especially early in the game over Texas for Washington, that was huge. And I, I think J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback for Michigan, who we're going to see Monday night, I'll say this, the game that he had against Alabama, that's the best game he's played all year. They have run the ball at like almost a two-to-one clip at Michigan this season. So he hasn't been asked to throw the ball a lot. Very famously didn't throw the ball in the second half against Penn State. They threw the ball against Alabama. At a, you know, I think he had 24 attempts, if I remember correctly. And he was the same efficient, tough, poised, athletic quarterback that we've seen all season. So I think you know we talk a lot about offensive players, but – Let's not sleep on what what McCarthy did against Alabama, especially in the second half where they really needed him to put points on the board. Matt Miller joining as ESPN NFL draft analyst. So we're still seeing McCarthy and we're still, we are still seeing Penix Jr. play in the month of January. When it comes to evaluating these guys, does that give them sort of an unfair advantage? Because we're talking about how these players can change their draft stock here in the college football playoffs. Does that mean that the guys that we're not seeing play in the month of January then start getting left behind and sort of, so to speak, start falling because of that in favor? I, we're talking about them more, definitely. But it, it doesn't, it's not all good. I mean, there's always the risk of injury in a game. There's also the fact that, you know, if you're a player from Florida State and you opted out of your bowl game, you've been training for the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Bowl or the NFL Combine for a month already. So there is some value to having a rested body heading into the pre-draft process. I mean, that, that can definitely uh, help a ton. And, you know, we live in a, a very quick news cycle to where we're going to talk about Michael Penix and J.J. McCarthy a lot. 
because we can't talk about Caleb Williams right now, and we can't talk about Drake May right now, and we're not talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. So as soon as the games are over Tuesday morning, uh, we'll be talking about should Caleb Williams go first over at the Chicago Bears again. That conversation is going to heat right back up. So it's great that these guys get in the spotlight. It's always helpful to play more football and especially to play you know, a great team against a great team. If you're a quarterback – going against these defenses, you want that resume game like Penix had against Texas or McCarthy had against Alabama. But uh, there is definitely something to – the dust is going to settle Tuesday morning. We're all going to take a deep breath, and, and then we're going to get back to evaluating the class as a whole instead of evaluating it two teams at a time. Before Dre asks you about Justin Fields and what the Bears should do there for Caleb Williams, because inevitably, inevitably we're getting there, Matt. You know how this thing works. Uh, Before that, though, you just brought to my mind something interesting. How do you think draft evaluation is going to be affected, if at all, by the expansion now of the college football playoffs next season to 12 teams? Yeah, I think it's gonna be great. You know, for what for what we do for a living, uh, you know, for what this job that Mel Kiper Jr. has created for all of us. You want as many bites of the apple as you can get. And so for me, you know, we're, we're one-man scouting departments trying to watch five, six, seven hundred players. So the more game exposure you have to a player, the better. So I, I think it's going to be great just for that aspect next year of getting a couple more games from these really top-tier teams, but also to get some of those matchups. You know, I think, you know, this year we have a, a Pac-12 team and a Big Ten team. There's, you know, an SEC team isn't making it, but you had to get through – a great defense in Alabama. You had to get through a great defense in Texas. So especially for quarterback evaluation, you know, I would have loved to have seen Carson Beck at Georgia play against some of these teams. I would have loved to have seen Drake May at North Carolina play against some of these teams and, and just see, okay, like we watched you in conference, especially for the non-SEC quarterbacks. Like I would love more opportunity to see Pac-12 and Big Ten guys and ACC guys against some of these SEC defenses because, you know, from a talent standpoint, that's as close as you're going to get to the pros until you get there. So, speaking of Justin Fields, um, <laughs> you know, um, you've consistently had the Bears taking Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick, and I, I think your yeah. most recent mock still has him there. So, even though Fields has as much upside as, as any player in this draft, and he has a little more experience, and the smart thing to do would, of course, be for the Bears to keep Fields, you disagree. Uh, tell me why. I disagree based on right now or like a month ago when we wrote those mock drafts. I will say this. If, uh, if Ryan Poles, the GM of the Chicago Bears, called me and asked for my advice, I would say don't get in a hurry. Uh, I think the best thing that the Bears could do is to weigh all their options against each other. I would want to see what is my trade value for Justin Fields. Knowing that, I have to make a very expensive decision on his fifth-year option this spring. I have to decide that. So what, what am I getting for Justin Fields? Am I getting a two from the Atlanta Falcons? Am I getting a three from the New York Giants? What does that trade look like? And then I would want to know, what am I getting for the number one overall pick? Because it should be more than I got last year. Even if it's a team like the Washington Commanders want to go from two to one, that one is Caleb Williams, who I've written articles saying, this is a generational prospect. This is a, you know better than Trevor Lawrence, better than Joe Burrow. NFL teams believe that about Caleb. So the, the value you know, if you're the Bears this year, I would want more than I got last year when they traded out. So that's that's something to keep in mind with this. If yes, Caleb is great, but if you like Justin and you love the trade offer you're going to get from Washington, who by the way, Caleb Williams is from the DC area. You think they wouldn't love to reboot this franchise, bring in the hometown quarterback back to restart? You know, and get past some of the you know negative press of the last. 
25 years. They would love that. So I think if you're the Bears, weigh the options and then, you know, make a make a smart pick based on evaluation. But Caleb hasn't played in a, in a while, but I would like to remind everybody he's, he's really, really good. And it's going to be fun to talk about him for the next three months. I don't know if there could be more hype, frankly, around Caleb Williams, but if I'm the Chicago Bears, I think I'd start planting it. Like, I'd start planting my own articles, <laughs> right. feeding stuff, mm-hmm. right? Just to raise his stock as high as possible so that number one overall pick is worth as much as possible. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Andre Snelling's filling in for Ian. Matt, how much do opt-outs affect, if at all, the evaluation of these draftees? Do you think NFL teams look at these guys and think less of them, like the situation with Florida State and beyond we've seen it all over college football think less of these starters for choosing not to play I would say in a vacuum no Uh, I I think the only time it could come up is if and this is something I'll spend the next you know several weeks doing is making those calls or making those visits to school saying tell me about like this guy in the locker room tell me about him in the weight room does he show up to class on time like do you have to kind of ride him to get him to show up if you have a player that you know, I, one of my favorite sayings that anyone ever taught me was, do you love playing football or do you love being a football player? Because if you love playing football, you're going to show up and do all those little things. And if you opted out to protect your future, I'm going to understand it. But if you like the cachet and the star power of being a football player and you opted out because, eh, just, you know, like, I don't really love doing this. I'm just doing it for the, the paycheck or the, the followers on social media. I think that's where your opinion of it might change. But, you know, Caleb Williams opting out or – uh, Keon Coleman opting out at Florida State. Those aren't guys where you say, all right, I'd rather have Malik Neighbors because he came in and caught two passes to set the school record. Like, that, that's not a big enough difference for me in, in terms of those guys. And also, you know, we're not in those living rooms making those decisions. So I, I think before you cast any judgment, you really got to find out what, what went into the decision to opt out. I heard Nick Saban talking about it on the McAfee show recently, just his conversations with NFL teams when they call about his guys. So like you just said, I know that's common practice as a draft analyst, Matt, how much of your time, if at all, I'm curious is spent talking to people from these college teams about these individual players, or is it more when you're analyzing these draftees relying on the film itself? Oh no. Talking to people is a big part of it. I I think it's, 90% 90% film. I would love to hear uh, what Mel says about the, his percentage. I think it's 90% film. And then the other 10% is, you know, private workouts, the combine, the all-star games. And then it is those conversations, whether it be with a, an area scout or a general manager who's gone through there, or, you know, I have a lot of conversations with college position coaches or college head coaches, or, you know, it seems like every college now has a, an actual you know, personnel department, like they have GMs at these colleges now. So you can get a lot of great information that way. And I think you, you want to complete as much of the puzzle as you can Uh, put as many pieces out there so you can get a good idea who these players are and, and who they will be as people as well. Aren't they motivated, though, to fluff these things? A little things? bit, right? You right, because, I mean, it doesn't help that. Like, it helps them if, like, all, right. you know, we've got eight dudes going in the top ten picks, right? I mean, that, right. that makes my college look pretty good. It, 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 you have to like, you know, you got to build those relationships. You have to build that trust. You know, there is like, there's a journalism aspect of what we do. It's not just watching film. It's, it is building those relationships so that I know that unless you're Nick Saban, if you tell me you have eight first rounders, I'm probably going to laugh at you. I'm like, no, <laughs> you don't, you know, but let's talk about these guys anyway. And you can, you can tell me the things you love about them. And, and then I'm going to go to someone else to find out, you know, maybe some of the other stuff, but uh, yeah, you know, college coaches are great. Uh, it's, it's fun to roll into a practice and, and, and see how they interact with their players and 
And a lot of them are incredibly helpful when it comes to it. Of, uh, I was at a practice over the summer. You know, I'm a Missouri guy. I was at a Mizzou practice, and Coach Drinkwitz walked me through every senior and then every junior who he thought was, you know, had a potential to go to the NFL. And we talked about each player for five, ten minutes. And it, things like that are, are incredibly invaluable. Well, you also are incredibly invaluable for coming here on Amber and Ian. We appreciate you, Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we will get back into this weekend's biggest NFL matchups. That's coming up next. Making our way towards week 18 of the NFL season. We got one more to go. And because of that, We've got a doubleheader headed your way. We've got NFL action on a Saturday, on Saturday, on ESPN and on ABC. You can turn on your televisions. You can watch Steelers at Ravens at 430. Then you can enjoy Texans at Colts at 815. On Sunday, we also have a doubleheader. This one you can hear right here on ESPN Radio. Jets at Patriots. Will it be Belichick's last game ever for the Patriots? And Bears at Packers. A rivalry there. The Packers could still make a postseason. Coverage starts noon Eastern on ESPN Radio. As we head into Week 18, let's talk a little bit more about it. Let's play some more Got One. Amber Indian Got One. We got one! Yeah, let's start right there, huh? Uh, Jets at the Patriots. New England is a two-point favorite at home. Like you said, the first of our uh, Football Sunday doubleheader on Sunday right here on ESPN Radio. Cover starts at noon. Dre, who you got? (laughs) Jets-Patriots. I think I'm contractually bound not to give my actual opinion because this game is on our air. Um, I will go with the Patriots. They've been playing hard of late. You know, everybody thinks it's Belichick's swan song. So I'll, I'll, I'll give the two points and, and think he he walks out of New England a winner. Philby is 39-12 and 12 in his career versus the New York Jets. It is the most wins by a head coach versus a single team in the entire Super Bowl era. I think Bill is going to do it again because this might be Bill Belichick's last ride as the head coach of the New England Patriots. And if we know Bill B., even if it ain't Tom Brady's Bill B., it's still <laughs> one of the greatest football coaches of all time. And because of that... This dude ain't going to let himself go out on a loss, right? At that kind of tenure, I'm going to take the Patriots in this game over the Jets. All right, up next, uh, another game on the ESPN Airwaves. This one on television, ESPN ABC, ESPN Plus at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. The Steelers are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Ravens. The Ravens resting a bunch of guys. Lamar not playing. OBJ not playing. They didn't just sign Delvin Cook. I don't know if he's playing yet or not. But uh, Amber, Steelers, Ravens, who you got? If the Steelers make the playoffs, it's going to be the seventh time that both teams have made the postseason in the same year. The last time they both did it was 2020. We also have seen the Steelers eliminated a few times by the Ravens, three times previously as well. Uh, I think that the former is going to happen rather than the latter. I will take the Steelers in this game because the Steelers still have everything to play for and Baltimore has nothing to play for. And it's not because Baltimore is bad. It's because Baltimore is so darn good that 
they don't even need to show up. They're still thinking a couple weeks down the road to the divisional round. The Steelers, on the other hand, are playing for their lives. They're 6-1 and one versus the Ravens since 2020. I think they're going to get it done again here. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I hate that, that there's that hook there. You know, even the Steelers minus three, uh, I feel like it'll be a close game. Minus three and a half makes me a little more gitchy. But, you know, to Amber's point, the the Steelers are playing for their lives. The Ravens don't have to. I think they're still going to play hard. They have a, a strong defense. Kind of, I feel like no matter who they have in their defensive roles, so and, and, and this is a rivalry game, so anything could happen. But um, I think the Steelers have to have it, so I'm, I'm going to go with them uh, minus three and a half. All right, the Eagles are five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Giants. Big one for the Eagles. They're still in the mix for the NFC East uh, 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 title there. Uh, Dre, who you got? Eagles-Giants. Okay. I am going to take the Eagles, and I'll give the points, because I feel like they live in the world, and they live in America, and they're hearing – all of this stuff about how horrible they are. The way they've been playing, I actually would have took the Giants in the points. But I feel like the Eagles have pride, and they're going to want to to, to take this this home field advantage um, if they can get it. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and take them in the points, even though they've been playing like hot garbage for a couple months now. The Eagles have lost four of the last five, that lone win coming versus the Giants. Uh, I would say... That I'm taking the Eagles here, though. Uh, The Eagles have a 19% chance to win the NFC East right now, according to ESPN Analytics. I don't think that happens because I don't think the Cowboys lose. But I do think the Eagles end up taking care of business, in part because of what Andre just said. They live in this world, which was excellent analysis uh, by Dre. And they're hearing all the noise. And if I am on that Eagles team, I am frustrated by everybody thinking that the walls are closing in when I'm about to be a 12-win team. So I do think that you will get a motivated Philadelphia team. The Giants aren't nearly as good as Philadelphia, and I'm saying that as somebody who's been a little critical of Philadelphia (laughs) all season long. But they ain't the Giants, right? So I do think Philadelphia will take care of business. I just don't think it ends up mattering in terms of that division, because I think the Cowboys end up taking care of business as well. Cowboys are 13-point favorites on the road against the Commanders, which is a little bit surprising. Real quick, one uh, more. We're not on my line for a team that hasn't been on the road. road. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. One more real quick uh, national championship game uh, on ESPN, ABC, ESPN Radio. Coverage on ESPN Radio starts 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday uh, the national, the college football playoff national championship game presented by AT and T. Number two, Washington. Number one, Michigan. Amber, who you got? Uh, I'm going to take Michigan here. I think that defense is too good. I think the best way to defend against Penix Jr. is keep him on the sidelines. I think Michigan will be able to do that with its run game. I just think that Washington's going to end up being outmatched. It's a good season. It's a great story on both sides here. But I think that we're going to get the Harbaugh send off for Michigan. You know I'm going with Michigan. You know, go blue. Um, they're my alma mater. I, I, I hope that they take it. But the better in me um, might take Washington plus four and a half, which you can get on ESPN Bet, because um, I do think it could be a close game. 
Wow. So you went with uh, your alma mater there, kind of, and then swerved at the end because at the end of the day, nothing's deeper than a betting man's affection for actual betting. That's yeah, what just know. happened. It's like you went to Michigan. You're rooting for Michigan, but that line's a little ugly for you. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Andre Snellings, we will find out what is a big deal and what's not a big deal. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.